0: Welcome to the IoT Trajectory, a Logicalis IoT podcast series brought to you by Logicalis, an international IT solutions and managed services provider. Your host is Mike Trajeky, Logicalis' Vice President of Digital Solutions and Services. Logicalis has been delivering IoT and data analytics solutions around the world and providing technology solutions that help organizations realize the benefits and values of the Internet of Things. And now, here is Mike Trajeky. Hi, and welcome
1: to the IoT Trajectory. This is Mike Trajecki, VP of Digital Solutions and Services at Logicalis. Over the past few months, the world has experienced a pandemic due to COVID-19, the novel coronavirus first identified in Wuhan, China, that has wreaked habit across the planet. Travel has been minimized, quarantines have been put into effect, mobile testing centers have been set up, and a race to find a vaccine for the virus is underway. This virus has had a significant impact on travel, the economies of countries around the world, and has even impacted our personal freedoms. While we still have much to learn about the virus, the CDC has been able to identify and post symptoms associated with COVID 19. While most people experience minor symptoms, a small percentage of individuals experience severe illness due to the virus. The CDC lists those symptoms as a cough and shortness of breath. Those affected also experience either fever, chills, repeated shaking with chills, muscle pain, headaches, sore throat, and even a loss of taste and smell. One of those symptoms, a fever, is able to be detected using thermal cameras. While these systems have been available for some time, they have emerged as one way to help limit the spread of COVID-19 and protect those in a multitude of business, healthcare, manufacturing plants, and utilities. On with us today to discuss these solutions and how we can use them is Bill Evans, Director of IoT and AI at Logicalis. Bill, thanks for being here and welcome to the IoT Trajectory.
2: Thanks a lot, Mike. It's great to be here.
1: Bill, first,
2: uh, we've known each other for a while.
1: How are you, Megan, and the family holding up? How are the kids doing?
2: Thanks for asking. We're, we're doing well. Um, like uh, probably just about everyone, we're uh, a little stir-crazy. Our, uh, our routines are uh, changed for sure. And uh, things like school and, uh, and the like are a little more challenging than they've been in the past. Uh, but overall, everybody's uh, healthy and doing well. So I don't think we can complain too much.
1: No, that's great. I'm really glad to hear that. And, uh, you know, we're all uh, it's a different life right now. Right. So we're all going through some some different things. And. Yeah, fortunately, we're starting to get back to the way things were before we actually heard the phrase, the new normal. Um, and the unfortunate part about that is that there are some things that are going to be part of life going forward. I mentioned in the intro that we uh, are talking about this fever detection and thermal in- imaging and how they're gaining traction right now due to COVID-19. But the technology itself isn't new, right?
2: It's not. Uh, thermal technologies or, or those that can scan for temperature have have been out there for quite some time whether it's in a a manufacturing environment looking for temperature changes in maybe a fluid or liquid of some sort uh, or other industries where they might be looking for a presence of something or a lack of something uh, using thermal uh, mechanisms and even uh, different forms of radar we've been able to measure temperature in a variety of ways uh, the, the difference now is, is really how those technologies are used and, and how they're packaged and assembled.
1: And I've seen a lot of those um, in a lot of actually in a lot of steel uh, processing plants and steel furnaces, uh, metal furnaces where they're trying to look and measure the actual temperature of the, the metal. So it's been it's been an interesting technology that's been around for a while. Um, but when we talk about this in terms of you know, what it means for people, and you know a lot of people are probably listening this, thinking this sounds like futuristic stuff, you know. Uh, but I've really I've spoken with nurses and doctors who don't really know what this technology is and how it exists and how we can use it. So give us an idea what what are thermal detection systems?
2: So specific to the the context of COVID nineteen, the current pandemic, and and everything we've we've all been dealing with. When, when we're talking about thermal detection systems in that context, we're talking about systems that use uh, surveillance cameras very similar to the kinds of cameras you might see in video security systems and the like. And those cameras are fitted with the ability to not just see an, an image of a space or an area, but they're also able to see uh, the temperature in that given area. And if you've ever seen uh, images like that, they typically have the same uh, color palette of green, yellow, orange, and red. Obviously, once we get to red, the the higher temperature there, and and with that, uh, those systems are able to detect the term that we use is elevated temperature. So they're able to detect not just that there is an elevated temperature, but that the elevated temperature is specific to a human body, not an elevated temperature of a cup of coffee or something else that uh, wouldn't really be relevant in this context, it's specific to the human body, and that allows a a system to rather unintrusively be able to determine if an individual has an elevated temperature, and then from there, uh, whether that elevated temperature requires some sort of action to be taken.
1: Looking at that, so when we talk about, you know, identifying an elevated temperature, you know, how how accurate are these systems? I mean, are we getting, can we get a good accuracy of being able to see as someone walks into, you know, an area of what their temperature is? Is it, you know, is it giving us the ability to really understand that their temperature is 101.2? Can we get that close?
2: Yes, absolutely. Most of the systems that are in what we could consider the the commercial grade or the business grade that that are not consumer grade uh, can can, can and are at a level of accuracy that's pretty consistent across all the products. And that accuracy tends to be in the 0.4 degree, whether it's Fahrenheit or Celsius, that's pretty consistent, but 0.4 degrees. So that's being that it's bringing us um, under a degree, we're able to be extremely accurate within, again, less than half a degree level of accuracy, which uh, gives us a, a, enough to clearly identify if someone has an elevated temperature that is relevant in the sense of their their current well-being.
1: Over the last couple of days, you, know, you and I have obviously talked about this quite a bit, and we've seen a spike in our existing customers and new customers reaching out to us, and there is a lot of confusion about these systems. A lot of people still can think that this is something futuristic and, you know, in the sci-fi realm. But how, how are these systems being used today? How long is it taking to get a system implemented? If somebody was going to put one of these uh, thermal detection systems in place, how quick can they get it up and running?
2: Sure. And those are all really important questions. One thing that I would do to start off with is, is what some of our customers are doing today without these systems? And I think that's an important question to ask also. And what they're doing is they're either um, purchasing uh, high, highly accurate digital thermometers. They're not unlike the ones we might use at home. They just happen to be uh, commercial grade and, and purpose uh, built for use in uh, more stringent environments. And they're having staff come in and they are um, using essentially it looks like a um, Again, a, a one that you'd use at home, and they will scan the person's forehead, which means they're getting close, they're getting within a foot or less to scan the forehead. And then from there, uh, they're allowing them into work or whatever steps that they need to take. And as we could all imagine, that's a bit intrusive, right? Both people have to get close to each other. There's also a lot of time involved in doing that. If you have 10, 15, 20, 100 people coming into work, to take those steps takes quite a bit of time. Uh, So if we transition from that, how can we do that not only more efficiently, but importantly, uh, less intrusively, these systems are being deployed in in a couple different manners. One of the first is a kiosk or or cart on wheels, um, or just a a permanent kind of workstation that's deployed in maybe a lobby or by an an employee entrance. And what happens is that people can simply, to a large degree, continue to enter the workplace the way they normally would. And as they pass these cameras, within subsecond, uh, their body temperature will be detected. And from there, the organization can decide if, if there is a person with an elevated body temperature, how they're going to handle that. But it really allows people to enter the workplace without being um, something that's intrusive and certainly without something that is going to delay them standing in a very long line waiting their turn. So. Um, the example I would give is when you think of going to the airport, there's safety protocols there. Um, and while in that case, so we typically deal with, with lines that are a little bit longer, um, if you're walking through a metal detector, it's mostly unobtrusive, right? You can walk right through. Uh, and as long as there's no alarm going off, uh, there's, there's really no, uh, no steps to be taken. It's a somewhat similar experience here. For the most part, uh, someone can walk into work and really not change their morning behavior at all.
1: And how long is it taking to get these implemented? Are we talking a day, an hour, two days, a week?
2: So it it does depend on the type of solution selected, but uh, as an example, some of these cart-based solutions um, can be deployed within a couple of days. Uh, As an alternative, there are uh, wearable technologies as well that can be deployed same day. Take it out of the box and, and you're ready to go. Uh, Another example of of one that is um, essentially unbox and use are these self-service kiosks that essentially allow the person to walk up to them. They don't have to touch anything. You don't even need to have a person there necessarily to administer or or monitor. Uh, They just uh, walk up to the kiosk, they're scanned, and the body temperature is detected, and then they're able to walk on. So you could simply have several of these kiosks set up and they can be deployed the same day that they're taken out of the box.
1: Okay, and, and that's good news, you know, just from a speed-to-deployment standpoint. Bill, one of the things that we've talked about when we look at these systems um, are privacy. You know, there are some people that are looking at this and thinking, hey, how is, this, how is this affecting my privacy? If I'm walking into a place, is this recording me? Uh, is this going to have any impact on myself? You know, talk to us about the privacy side of this. We talk about using data for good a lot, making sure that we're using data in ethical ways. How are these systems helping to provide privacy as well?
2: I agree, Mike. That That's a really important factor, certainly for organizations as well as uh, staff, visitors, and, and guests. Uh, we certainly want to be able to deliver that to them. And there are three primary ways I'll I'll give as examples. And the first one is uh, that by default, uh, many of these systems will not record the video uh, of the view that it's presented, which is, again, an entrance or something similar. So uh, for a typical surveillance system that's going to record either on motion or at at all times, the difference with this system is uh, mainly what we need is that live view and the temperature detection in at that moment in time, we don't necessarily need a recording. While the systems can record, we're finding that most of our customers are opting as they initially deploy these solutions and understand how they best work in their, in their own customer environment is to not utilize the recording feature. Again, while it is there, uh, that allows the video to, as as quickly as it's been presented, it's going away and there's no need to be addressing privacy concerns or uh, different regulations that might exist in in different industries. So that's one. Uh, The other is that the image can be overlaid with just that heat map or the heat representation of those colors, green, yellow, orange, and red, and not actually show the individuals, meaning uh, any face, what they're wearing and the like, That way we can essentially anonymize uh, the individual. That's another option in most of these solutions. And then the third one is really what I would call a transparency uh, factor. And again, I'll give an example. And that is if if we're setting this system up on a cart and there's a monitor or display facing the operator, whether that's a security personnel or, or similar, we can also put a monitor out on the front, a display in the front, So, when the people walk by, they see exactly what's being represented. It's that thermal image. There's no x ray. It's not intrusive. And it really gives them a greater level of comfort, on top of the fact that um, we might even put a note on the cart uh, this video is not being recorded. So, there's definitely quite a few ways we can address not only whether it be legal or other implications, but just the general uh, safety and comfort level of employees, guests, and, and others.
1: You're right. It is important because we've got to make sure in this world where we're already being monitored pretty extensively that we're able to keep these pieces of data apart so that we can't tie them in. And again, sticking with our theme of you know, that whole hashtag data for good, making sure that we're using this data uh, in an ethical way. So there's a couple, couple other things, Bill. Uh, you and I have worked together for a while. We always talk to our customers in terms of providing solutions that are manageable, that are scalable, secure, reliable, and cost-effective. I want to focus on the cost-effective characteristic for a minute. If one of our listeners are looking to deploy thermal detection solutions, what can they expect to pay for these solutions?
2: So, Mike, there, there's certainly a wide range of options out there. And, and again, I'll give a couple of examples for reference. If we were to think about an, an entry point, uh, and that that's an important one, we're finding many of our customers today um, are looking at some different challenges of how do they solve this problem? This isn't something that they budgeted for uh, several months back, right? And ultimately, ultimately, really, no one has. So there, there's definitely considerations there of, of how to solve for that problem. And if we look at an, an entry point type solution, like a kiosk uh, or or similar, those can be in the range of about six thousand to eight thousand dollars, depending on the options and, and features that are selected. But that gives a, a very reasonable entry point uh, for a, a single use or uh, an entryway that might uh, be more of a, again a simple kiosk form factor standalone uh, type of kit. If we move up from that where uh, the kiosk is serves one person at a time to a system that is uh, more video feed-based and allows us to have the camera be further away from the individual, have more people pass the camera simultaneously. They don't need to slow down their speed of walking. It doesn't change their, again, typical uh, work entry behavior. Those solutions move up into the range of about 16 to, to 20,000. From there, uh, those solutions, again, introduce more powerful cameras. They introduce more capable software uh, that can do different, different things as far as masking the individual and the like. When you move to the next category, it introduces a forty dollars to $50,000 price range. And the big difference with those solutions is the number of people that can pass across the camera at any given time. Uh, we move away from... Three, five, seven individuals at a time on that uh, mid range solution, up to 30 to 40 individuals able to pass across the camera at any given time, but also increase the distance that the camera can be from uh, the individual that has to pass it. So, as opposed to two, three meters um, or less, which is a lot more like that metal detector scenario in uh, the mid range solution, you know you're going through something. Uh, You're aware of it. It's not intrusive, but you're aware of it. The really higher end solution, if we want to call it that, in the forty thousand dollar plus range, uh, those would allow the camera to be twenty or more feet from the individual, allow dozens of individuals to pass by, and be extremely uh, invisible to the employee or guest. Great,
1: and you know that's when you look at this, and you know we start getting into this feature functionality conversation, you know. Customers need to figure out what's going to be the right solution for them. They can't just base it simply on cost, right? We've got to look at the reliability, manageability of this, and what it's trying to achieve for them. Whereas you have a, a retail store that may have you know, just a couple people walking through the door at one time versus a large, more open area, maybe say it's a, a sporting event or a concert venue, you're going to need you know, the higher end systems. But what are those other functions? What are those other you know, the features and functionality that need to be considered?
2: So you, you touched on a, a few key ones there for sure. And what I would put some of those in is the form factor category. And what I mean by that is uh, how is the solution deployed? Is it on a cart? Uh, is it something that's wearable? Again, I mentioned earlier that there are wearable options that a, a security officer, an operator can wear. And uh, there's applications for that in environments that are very fluid and might not just simply have someone entering a facility uh, through an employee entrance or something similar to that. Uh, then the there are other solutions that are as simple as a camera connected to a laptop that can sit on a workstation or desk. So um, I, I always start with the form factor element of what does normal operating procedure look like for employees or visitors entering a facility? And then how do we wrap the solution around that? Aside from the form factor, there are features, right? We talked a little bit about features like masking the video feed, uh, whether the video feed needs to be recorded. Um, And then there are other cases where uh, if the facility is large enough or the campus is large enough, uh, the customer may want to track the path that the, the person's taken maybe not record that video per se, uh, but if a person passed a threshold and had an elevated body temperature and because they're on a large campus, we need to tell what path they took and where they went so that we can locate them if that was necessary. Uh, Those components are available in some of the solutions. And then last but not least would be uh, the ability to, to customize. Some of our customers are looking to integrate these systems with other systems like access control systems, physical access control, and similar, and in order for them to be able to do that, uh, the software component needs to have the capability for that kind of integration. So those are a few examples uh, that I would include as as being relevant from the feature functionality standpoint, uh, from a product standpoint, uh, but the really the, the big ones from an operational and usability standpoint are level of accuracy of the camera, which we talked a little bit about that before, uh, the distance of the camera to the individual that needs to pass by, and the volume. Uh, all of those become relevant in what does normal operating procedure look like and how much are we willing to manipulate that based on the the solution we're choosing.
1: Yeah, and it, it, you get into a lot of feature functionality and right, it, and it can't be just about cost. So, you know, one of the things that I mean, we've talked and we've been on talking to a lot of our customers recently is about helping them identify what the right solution is for them. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not just even, you know, the, the right solution for an individual customer. You know, a lot of the customers that we've been on WebEx videos with over the last couple of days and, and even weeks now, you know, we've talked to a lot of medical customers, uh, a lot of healthcare providers, but this is really extending beyond hospitals. Right. What are the other applications? We talked about some of them, like a sporting event or uh, manufacturing and retail. Are there any other ones that kind of stick out to you? Like what types of customers are going to need these solutions?
2: I think that's a really important question, Mike. Uh, while there's significant applications in the healthcare space, every one of our customers is going to have some need to consider solutions like this uh, if they have a campus environment if they have a building where employees are coming into work. And and I'll just give two two brief examples. The first one's in manufacturing uh, and really any industrial environment. We have a manufacturing customer today that while they have a a small crew of about five coming into the facility today, within the next two weeks, they're expecting to bring their entire staff of 200. And for them to use the method they're using today, uh, which is digital thermometers uh, would mean 150 plus people standing out in the parking lot waiting for their turn to come into the building. Um, You've got weather considerations, safety, there's costs associated with that. And a solution like this could really help them solve not only the problem of speed and time, but also remove the intrusion factor from the employee. So there's a lot of of potential benefit for them there. Another example would be uh, in public environments uh, like like park systems and school campuses. Uh, we have a park system that we're speaking with today that operates a little bit like uh, an amusement park where you have a ticket, you enter the facility. Uh, we're working with them to determine how best to implement uh, one of these systems in a a park, a public park environment. So really it's across the board. Any Any entity, any organization that is going to have a volume of employees or guests into a public place, into a building, uh, Will likely be considering these types of solutions. And one of one of the other ones that we're
1: finding is when you know schools start back up, in, uh hopefully in the fall, that we'll start to see solutions like this as students come in. And you know, this won't only extend to what we're seeing with COVID, but it'll help us identify just other students that are sick from you know various different viruses or you know sicknesses or something that's going to give them a fever uh, to help. Uh, keep other students from getting sick, right? It's more than just about COVID. It's about just keeping students safe at that point. So uh, Bill, thanks for your time. Uh, I, you know, you and I have known each other, get you said this a couple of times for, uh, for a long time, probably 10 or so plus years. And, you know, we worked directly together for the better part of the last six years. And uh, you and I are both avid movie fans. And uh, actually, we've been able to go to the movies, a few times together over the years. So, uh, we, we talk about movies. This is how we get to know our guests. And, um, we had an opportunity yesterday with, uh, being May 4th and we missed the opportunity to talk about our favorite star Wars movies or characters, but we're going to get a little, uh, a little different here. So in light of what's going on with COVID-19 and the fact that we just really need to have some fun, we're going to take a different approach. Give me your give me your top list of your favorite pandemic movies.
2: Probably not a surprise, but uh, two two big ones that uh, I'm sure others are fans of are Contagion and, and Outbreak. Um, those are both great movies, uh, cast and uh, and story and and everything. I've, I've gone back and and watched uh, each of those quite a few times. Um, but putting those aside because they're they're big names, uh, one that wasn't um, as well well-received out there. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily call a B-movie, while I am a fan of, a big fan of B-movies, is the movie Carriers, um, not just in the fact that it was uh, a little grittier and, and the like, but just the uh, the ending, which I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it, but um, I, I love endings that, uh, that keep you thinking. So um, those would be uh, three that are pretty high on my list.
1: Yeah, I've gone back over the last uh, last couple of weeks and watched things like 28, 28 Days Later and uh, World War Z, some, some other interesting ones that are out there. But uh, good choices for movies. So, Bill, thanks, thanks again. Uh, it's, it's great to have you on the show. Um, for those of you who, uh, who have listened to the show for a while, uh, Bill was actually one of the people that helped craft the name for the podcast series. So I want to say thanks for that, Bill. It's been pretty successful. You know, I truly enjoy working with you. Value your friendship. I uh, Hope you and Megan and the kids stay safe and sane over this time.
2: Thanks a lot, Mike. It was a great pleasure to be here.
1: Great. And thank you to all of our listeners. And please make sure you subscribe to the IoT Trajectory. You can do that either on SoundCloud or Apple iTunes. Uh, please make sure that you're making good decisions in this time period. Make sure you watch out for one another and uh, continue to be safe. This is Mike Trajecki reminding you to go out there, be the disruptor, and use data for good.
0: Thank you for joining us for the IoT Trajectory, a Logicalis IoT podcast series brought to you by Logicalis, an international IT solutions and managed services provider. Please join us for updates. To learn more, visit Logicalis' website at www.us.logicalis.com or contact your host, Mike Trajiecki, directly at mike.trajacki at us.logicalis.com.